Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God gave a promise. I want you to see the promise. Ezekiel 37, 21, it says this. God says, and give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I will gather, I, God, I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations and I will bring them home to their own land, Israel, from the places where they have been scattered. The Lord has always sided with Israel. In Scripture, God says that those who support the nation of Israel will be blessed. Today, Pastor Mark will look at God's faithful promises kept to this nation throughout history and challenge us as Americans to be watchful and prayerful for Israel. If God has chosen to side with Israel, it would be wise for us to do the same and not be against the will of God. We can always be encouraged that just as God has kept His promises to Israel, so will He keep His promises to us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message entitled, See the End of the World. Jesus leaves the temple area. He goes east to the Mount of Olives. The full view of Jerusalem was there, and there was this incredible temple. That's what the disciples were looking at. In fact, Mark and Luke says this, that the disciples say, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what a wonderful building. Why would they say that? Well, as they were on the Mount of Olives looking out at this temple, it was known in those days as an architectural wonder of the world. Some of the stones measured 40 feet by 12 by 12, and they weighed 100 tons. For those of us that have been there, this wasn't one one building, there was many buildings. Of course, we haven't been to the temple. You're gonna see in a moment the temple was destroyed. In fact, we don't know exactly where it even was. But in those days, Herod had been adding and adding and adding to the building. It was absolutely incredible. The Bible, Josephus tells us that when the sun would come on those white massive stones of granite and gold was all over, it would just shine everywhere. So as they walk and leave the temple, and it's, it's amazing, the disciples, and they say to Jesus, hey, look at, look at that. Amazing, isn't it? Well, the disciples are focused on one thing, the building, the temple, its beauty. But Jesus uses an interesting word. I ask you to circle. He says, 
Do you see all these things? That word see very often can mean perception. It can mean understanding. You see, the disciples were focused on the now, the transient beauty of the temple right before them. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He wanted them to see eternal things, future things. If you get this next principle that you write down, here it is. Studying biblical prophecy gives us an eternal perspective. You see, I rarely have an eternal perspective. I rarely think about my death or heaven or hell. I'm too tied up with all the stuff of today. Anybody here like me in this building? Anybody? Anybody? Good. Now, if you're out there and you always think about your death and you need a little help too, we got antidepressants for you. We can cast the devil out of you. There's a lot of things we can do for you. Now, I don't mean I'm focused on my death, but very often we don't think. You see, we think we're going to live forever. We're not going to live forever. I can go into McDonald's and ask for a senior coffee. Because I'm over 60. Some of you can't do that. You got to pay full price. There's some benefits. I'm my way to my grave. I can have coffee. I won't ask today, but it'd be interesting how many of us thought about heaven this week. See, we don't do that. We're thinking of the building, the kids, the building, the business, the job, the, the environment, the neighborhood. But Jesus says, watch me. He says, I want, I want you to look at the world. I want you to see the whole world. See, some of us never leave Brevard County. He says, I want you to look at the whole world. And for the future, you're looking and focusing on the wrong thing. There's nothing permanent, Jesus was saying, about the earth. So as we study prophecy... It's good for me. Look back at verse 2. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here, speaking of the temple, will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? End of the age. End of the age. I think it's interesting the disciples asked Jesus three questions. You mean the temple's going to be destroyed? When is that going to happen? Now remember, the disciples are looking at the temple, and they're talking here about the kingdom of God, and they think Jesus isn't going to the cross. They still don't get it. They think he's getting ready right now, shortly, to set up his kingdom. Remember, they said, who can be on the right? Who can be on the left? They have nothing about the future. Their future is the next few months, maybe even a year or two. When are you going to set it all up? Well, Jesus is going to have to say, no, that, it's not going to be there. So these three questions they ask, number one, when's, when's the temple going to be destroyed? When's that going to happen? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming? In other words, what supernatural event will, will cause you to set up your kingdom? Is there something that we can look for? And number three, what about the end of the age? When will this world as we know it be done with. Well, I think it's interesting that Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. Now, I'd like to say to you today that Jesus knew a lot about the future, but he didn't know some things. As we move along in chapter 24, you'll understand there's a scripture that says, even Jesus didn't know the hour or the day. Only God did. But Jesus knew a lot. You know what? He's standing on the Mount of Olives, 
and he's giving this Olivet Discourse. In a few weeks, he'll rise from the Mount of Olives after his death, burial, and resurrection right into heaven. And the Bible says in Zechariah, he's coming back to the very same mountain, his second coming. So these three questions, who has the answers? When will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? What about the end of the world? Is there such a thing? When will it come? Chapters 24 and 25, where we're right in the middle of, just starting, have all three answers. Let me show you, for you to write down today, three keys. Three things that you want to focus on as we move through here. These are the questions that they ask. Number one, what about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple? They ask, when will it happen? Well, that was a prophecy. Jesus knew it was going to be destroyed. It was. 70 AD, it was destroyed. Totally. Titus, the Roman, worked for the Roman government. He came in his armies. And there's a little debate, but some people believe it was really destroyed by accident. They took over the whole city, Rome did, Jerusalem, killed thousands and thousands of Jews. As they did that, they said someone maybe shot an arrow into the building. Well, building in stone, arrow, flaming arrow, what's the big deal? Well, it hit gold. Gold melted. Gold began to melt. Building caught on fire. All the temple caught on fire. And the gold just melted in every little crack and crevice. Remember, Jesus said not one stone would be left on another. Who would who'd go after undoing stones? They didn't have bombs. They didn't have explosives. Well, they had men and women that liked gold. And so when it went between every block, they just took every block apart, every little thing apart, and scraped all the gold out. So that prophecy was fulfilled perfectly in 70 AD. Finished. Done with. They asked two other questions. You see them. When will the return of Jesus be? When are you going to come back to set up your kingdom? Now for us, we believe there's a rapture and a second coming involved with that. Not just the second coming. That's still pending. And then the end of the world. Obviously that's still pending. It hasn't happened yet. It is going to happen. Now, let me give you an illustration of a couple things. When you see the second one, the rapture and the second coming, there are Christians that differ on the way end time events take place. Now, here's where the problem comes. Quickly, just watch me. Most people do not understand why Israel seems to be part of this end times prophecy. I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to give you a history of Israel so that you'll never, ever be clueless about this again. This little teeny country, about the size of New Jersey, why is it the key to prophecy? doesn't make sense. Let me give you three things to watch for. As you think about end times, you want to watch for three things. The news about the nation of Israel, anything that happens in Jerusalem the capital, and number three, anything you hear about the rebuilding of the temple that I just told you was destroyed. You see, because there's going to be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. So if you'll just watch the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, the city of Jerusalem, and the building of the new temple, oh, you'll have the sign markers about end times. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 in your Bible, first book. And let's go quickly through the nation of Israel. 
how it happened, why it was there. Obviously, this is not in-depth, but a nice little cursory view so you can understand why it is so significant in end-time prophecies. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned. They decided they'd do their life by themselves without God. Because of that sin, God immediately began to put into action a plan. A plan to solve the problem of man's sin. In Genesis 3, verse 15, this is the first prophecy. This is the first look, watch me, this is the first look of future that we see in the Bible. What happened? Well, three events were part of this redemptive plan. First, you see there her seed. That would be predicting that there would be a virgin birth. A virgin birth. A virgin birth of who? Well, the one that's going to take care of the sin of the world. The second event, you see there, thou shall bruise his heel. What does that mean? That's Satan's temporary victory over this Messiah when he was crucified. Of course, we know that Jesus overcame that by being raised from the dead. And the third picture of the future is, notice, his head will be bruised. Speaking of Satan, his head will be bruised. That's different than a heel. A head is a mortal wound, finished, over with. That's the end of the world. So in that little verse, you have a picture of the future. Man needs a savior. He will come. He'll come through a woman, a virgin woman. Couldn't come from a man because the sin nature of man would be put into this man. He had to be sinless. Second, Satan would get the upper hand initially. Jesus would be wounded in his heel. He would go to the cross where he paid for our sins. But third, he would raise from dead on the third day. And in the end, when the end of the world comes, Satan will be defeated once and for all, cast into the lake of fire. It's finished. It's over. It's dead. There's the world history in one verse of everything in the future. And you need to stop and think because if you're a servant of Satan, which means you're either for God or you're not. If you're for God, you have to be a born-again believer. If you're not, you're in the camp of Satan. When Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, your future is the same. But when Jesus sets up his eternal kingdom and we get a brand new heaven and earth, if you're a follower of Christ, that's where you'll be. So in that one verse, we have everything. Well, how does God do that? What does the nation of Israel have to do with anything? Well, notice in Genesis 3, there is no nation of Israel. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. You're right there. You still with me this morning? All right, Genesis chapter 12. How in the world is God going to do this? Well, he had a wonderful plan. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, who would later become Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's whole soul, and I will go to the land I will show you. So God just sovereignly picks a man named Abraham. Comes from Earl the Chaldees. He's a pagan. And God says, I'm going to take a man, and I'm going to take a woman, and I'm going to make a nation. Sovereignly. Abraham didn't know what's happening. Not only does he pick a man and a woman... They're going to be the leader of a new people. But notice in that verse, he said, go to a land that I will show you. So he's going to take a man. He's going to take a woman. He's going to, out of that, out of all their seed, there's going to be people. It's going to be a nation. It's called the Jews. And he's going to give them 
a neighborhood to live in, a land. It's Israel. Notice verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, the nation of Israel, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3 is huge. Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, the nation of Israel, and curse whoever you, whoever curses you, I will curse. Do you know today that the Jews are hated by probably 99% of the nations in the world? They're hated. There's only a few handful of nations that are pro-Israel. One happens to be still the United States. Another one, England to some degree. And a scattering of others. But most of the world hates Israel. You'll see in a moment that's satanic. Because it's God's nation. Now, notice, if we bless Israel, if we help Israel, if we send them jets, if we help them in their defense, what will God do to the nation that helps them? He'll bless them. What's the opposite? One of the reasons I believe this country, the country you and I live in today has been blessed is because of this principle. Now, Abraham is going to be the father of a nation, a great nation. Sarah's his wife. Is there a problem? Yes, there is. Number one, Abraham and Sarah are old. They can get a senior coffee at McDonald's. (laughs) But more than that, they're childless. They can't make it happen. God does a miracle. Abraham's 100. Sarah's in her 90. And we have a baby. He's called Isaac. Amazing miracle. From Isaac would come a solution to man's problem. From the seed of Abraham to Isaac, all the way down through the Messiah. Through these people, the world would be blessed. What does it mean all the world would be blessed? There would be a savior for every man woman and child on the world it would come through the nation of Israel through the Jewish people now turn to Genesis 17 quickly Genesis 17 and we'll look at verse 7 and 8 speaking about this land very important you understand that the land has much to do with the people that's because that's the way God said it so when God established the nation of Israel everybody else in this room unless you're Jewish you are Gentile But I can be blessed because we're told in the New Testament we're grafted in. God died, sent his son to die for the whole world. Well, look at uh, Genesis 17, verse 7. I will establish, God speaking, my covenant as a, what's the word? Everlasting. It's not temporary. Everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now watch this. The whole land of Canaan, which is the land of Israel... Where you are now an alien, I will give as a temporary possessions. Is that right? Until the Palestinians take it over. No, no, no. Understand this is a covenant from God. I will give you an everlasting, give it as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. Here's something you probably don't know. Let me give you a fact. When the children of Israel took possession of the land, when they took possession of the land, it was 2,000 years before the birth of the religion of Islam. 
Do you understand that? But the Palestinians would say, this has always been our land. Huh? They weren't even a people for 2,000 years. God said, this land is yours. I make the covenant. It is your land. Now, I want you to see this picture. Let me ask you a question this morning here in Vieira. When you get up this morning, did the sun rise? It did. Notice this promise from God. Jeremiah 33, 20. God says, this is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and the night so that one does not follow the other. In other words, if you can stop the sun from coming up, then I'll stop my promise to keep the land for Israel. Notice. So, so this is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and the night so that one does not follow the other, only then will my covenant with my servant David be broken. Did the sun come up today? Is it going to come up tomorrow? How about forever? Yes, until what? We don't need a sun anymore because Jesus Christ will be the light of the world. So what does that mean to me? The land of Israel is always going to be the land of Israel and it's God's land. Do you know that the leader of Iran, what did he say recently? He said three things. One, every Jew should be exterminated from the world. You heard him say this. They hate Jews. It's spiritual. He doesn't even know it. Number two, he said, if we can't do that, we ought to send the Jewish people to Germany. You think they would like to go back to Germany? Or we ought to send them to Alaska so we can take over the land. I heard a a born-again Jew talk about this. He was classic. He said, why didn't he give us a third option? Why not send us to Hawaii? (laughs) I love it. By the way, because of that promise you just saw, the Jewish people aren't going anywhere. They're going to be in their land. Well, over and over, the Bible made predictions about Israel, Jewish people. Many of them have been fulfilled in the old days. But here's some that were coming We'll read about it in 24 and 25, but most of it's history in the Old Testament. Because the people of Israel didn't listen and obey God, their future in between this period was bleak. Here's what would happen. This is predicted. Every one of these things is predicted in the Old Testament. Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. The Jews would be exiled. Israel would become a wasteland. The Jews would be scattered worldwide. We know that happened. The Jews would be persecuted worldwide. All of those things took place. But in Ezekiel 37, God gave a promise. I want you to see the promise. Ezekiel 37, 21, it says this. God says, and give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I will gather, I, God, I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. And I will bring them home to their own land, Israel, from the places where they have been scattered. Studying biblical prophecy gives us an eternal perspective. Today we learn from Pastor Mark that despite many uncertainties regarding Christ's return, it's good to study the scriptures for what is to come. As the world continues to turn more against Christianity, it's important for us to know how this relates to the end times. Have you gotten caught up in the routine of everyday life and failed to live with Christ's second coming in mind? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. How can prophecy help the life of the everyday Christian? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show how we learn from the past, live in the present, and prepare for the future. All thanks to the study of biblical prophecy. Much faith is required to live expecting that much of the world as we know it. It's going to change. Be intentional today to search the scriptures for answers and live with an eternal mindset. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in today and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is giving lord let us hear